0: Hey, uh, we are in the final week of our series, Unstuck, and uh, I've been loving this series. It's been really powerful because, you know, the truth is we know that God wants to do good things in our lives. We know that the impact God wants to have in our lives is to leave a good thing behind. So, you know, God has good things planned for us, and it says that in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11, and, and in Romans 2, uh, 28, it says, God is working all things together for good. That means all things, whether good or bad, we can be confident that God is working those things, working those things for our benefit. Even if they are hard things, even if they are bad things, we can be confident that God's hand is in it. Corinthians 2 9 says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these are the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. In other words, you can't even comprehend. All the awesome things God wants to do in your life. God has a good plan for your life. God is actively working in our lives to have an impact for good. And sometimes, sometimes we can get in the way of God's plan for us. Sometimes we can do things and, and have habits or have bad experiences where we pick up baggage or, you know, even have a hurt that's undealt with that can get us a little bit sticky, it can get us a little bit stuck, and we can come out of these experiences just with a little bit of, you know, less momentum in, in our journey with God. And, and we can sometimes hinder what God is doing in our lives. And we, when we do this, we get stuck. The, as, a, as an 18-year-old, I just finished... Um, high school, and I decided to go down to Esperance with a bunch of my friends. In fact, Greg was on that trip. um, Harry was on that trip. And, uh, you know, I decided that it would be an awesome idea to take my dad's four-wheel drive and take it down to Esperance with a bunch of my friends. And, And it was a lot of fun. And so one night, we decided to go out to the sand dunes and um, and <laughs> we know where this is going. We were having an awesome time, and it was just before sunset, and it was amazing. If you know anything about Esperance, you know the sand is really fine. It's like soft as anything. And so we were four-wheel driving, and I was, you know, the cars were handling it okay. We were not getting stuck or bogged down. Um, and then the sun just went below the horizon, and it got a little bit dark, and Esperance weather changes like that. So all of a sudden, there was these strong winds and these massive wind gusts. And very quickly, these dunes started to change shape and the sand was moving from this place to another and it was moving all around. But this didn't deter us and we continued on our four-wheel driving trip and we were driving at night time and, uh, and you know, we are driving in a convoy together. And I noticed that where I was driving, I ended up going a little bit slower. I was putting in more accelerator, and I wasn't getting any faster. And slowly, the cars that I was driving with began to go off into the distance until I couldn't see their lights anymore. And we were getting slower to the point of not being able to move anymore. And what was was happening was we were driving on the bit with fresh sand that had just been placed there. And not only that, not only were we getting stuck, but we were actually on the side of a dune. So we were trying to drive like that. And for every metre we went forward, we went sideways two metres. And not only that, is that there was a ridge coming up at the bottom of the sand dune, a a very hard ridge, and our car was sliding sideways towards this ridge. And so I think Greg was in the car at the time. We decided to get out and just assess the situation. Before we continue trying to get out of this situation, let's just take a measure of what's going on. So we get out and we walk around, try calling no reception, and look at this ridge and, and actually see if we turn into the ridge, there's a steep path that goes just to the side of the ridge where it's basically almost like a, a few meter free fall drop. But if we hit that, it's got a ramp that will take us on the hard ground. So we decided to take this risk. And it was the scariest moment in my life because I didn't know whether I was even going to make it to be able to turn in without hitting the ridge. And, and so we turned in and we took the drop and everything worked out okay. And I'm glad my parents aren't here listening to this message because uh, they don't know what happened. But we got onto hard ground. We made it, we survived without any scratches or dents. Uh, but, you know, we can get stuck like that in our lives. We're trying to go forward. We're trying to continue to move forward on this plan that God has for us. It's good and it's great, but we can get a little bit stuck. So in this series, we've been looking at three key ways uh, we can get stuck in our lives. And, and uh, to start us off, Jess shared around the fence of a fence. And that was a really powerful message in how offense can build walls around our relationships and we can become stuck, closed in by offense. And uh, last week, Pastor Bev shared around uh, the rearview mirror of regret and how we can live our lives actually looking at the rearview mirror, looking at the past, looking at all of our regrets and our failures and our wrongs and forget that we're actually moving in a different direction. And so if you haven't If you weren't here for them, if you haven't heard them yet, jump on our YouTube page or our Facebook page, watch them. They're really great. I I was impacted by them. Um, But this week we're going to be talking uh, uh, about the trap of the fear of man. The trap of the fear of man. How to get unstuck from the fear of man. Well, John 10.10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This is Jesus talking. He says, hey you know, there, I want to give you an, uh, an abundant and satisfying life. I want to give you a rich and full life, but just be careful because there's a thief who's going to come and steal, kill, and destroy. He's saying, be careful because, you know, on this journey, there's something that might rob you from that. Not only that, he says, the whole purpose of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. The, the, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so in other words, be wary of the thief of your joy, of the thief of your satisfaction in your life. There's there's something out there that is trying to steal that, take that away from you. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now, now what is a snare? It's not a drum. It's not a drum. It's it's actually talking about a trap, and it's like a little piece of string that, would, uh, that a bird would land into, and as it landed into, it would be pulled tight, grab its legs, and the bird wouldn't be able to get out. It would flap around, but it would be tied down by this string. Uh, and, And it says the fear of man is like that. It's like this thing. Now, the thing with this trap is it was hidden. You couldn't see it. It was well hidden. It was unexpected, and it was hard to get out of. And so what this verse is saying is that the fear of man is unexpected, it's often hidden, and it can sometimes feel impossible to get out of. It can sometimes feel like you can't get out of it. The NLT NLT describes the fear of man as a dangerous trap. It's something to be careful of because it is a dangerous trap to get into. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, and and it uses the word prove. In other words, I don't need to try and convince you the fear of man is a dangerous trap because you've probably already seen it in your own lives. You've probably witnessed how worrying about other people's opinions and acceptance and, and worrying about all these things that other people care about can sometimes become a trap in our lives. You know, the thing about a trap is it paralyzes you. I imagine the bird that would be flying along one day and looks down, there's a little bit of seed scattered in this little circle, and it's unsuspecting, so in the middle of its journey from one place to another it just makes a little stop off to pick up some seed and before it before it even realizes what has happened that the string's been pulled tight and it's trapped in this place where it's paralyzed it's unable to move anymore and it's the same for us we're trying to move from a to b in our journey to god we're pursuing jesus yes it's so good I want a more of God, fresh wind. It's amazing. And then we can sometimes unexpectedly get trapped by this thing called the fear of man. Now, the thing with the fear of man, uh, you know, the other things we've looked at, the rearview mirror of regret, that's about undealt hurt from our past. The, the fence of offense is about our current situation and, and how we can be hemmed in, in our current situation. But The fear of man is actually something that will rob us of our future. As the bird's flying along and it stops for that little seed, it's actually robbed of the future destination it's going to. And it's the same for us. When we get entrapped by the fear of man, we are robbed of the future, of the good things God wants to bring to our lives, of the satisfaction and joy God wants to bring into our lives. That gets robbed from our future. And so we become paralyzed. And so there's, I want to explore today three ways, these three ways that the fear of man will rob us of our future, these three different ways that it will affect our future with God. So number one, if you're taking notes, is it, the fear of man will rob us of our intimacy with God. See, when we fear man, we'll care more about being accepted by others than being close with God. And pleasing people sometimes becomes a necessity it's like we need it. I don't know if you've experienced this, but it, it, it consumes you. When you fear men and you care about their opinions higher than your relationship with God, it begins to consume you, not just your, your time, but your mind and your thoughts and your habits and, and what you do with your life. It begins to consume you. And when we try to please people or seek approval, what we're actually doing is giving them the place of God in our lives when we're trying to please people and and serve them and live up to their expectations of us, what we're doing is we're putting them in the place that God should be in our lives. And so the fear of man will rob us of our intimacy with God because we're putting it in the place that God should be. When we're allowing them into that, what we're doing is we're allowing them into that highest place of authority. And when they're in that spot, there isn't any space for God. Let me tell you that God is inviting us into a rich and intimate relationship with him. God's desire is to be intimately close and connected with you. In John 15, Jesus describes our relationship with him like this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. In other words, words, we're so close that we're connected. We're so close that we're inseparable. That's his desire for for us and him, that we're meant to be part of the same tree. Revelation 19 says this, Relate, um, God's relationship with us, the church, um, is described as a marriage. And it says it in many other, many other uh, parts of the Bible as well, that we are the bride of Christ. It's like the, the highest form of intimacy we can imagine is marriage. And God's saying, hey, that's similar to what I want to be to you. I want that intimacy and closeness with you. God wants you to know Him and discover Him and, and go on this incredible journey with Him. But we can sometimes become preoccupied and distracted by seeking approval and we miss out on knowing Him. You know, I've got, a, I've got a 2013 MacBook Pro and I'm so proud of that thing. It's still surviving. I don't know, I never thought I'd have a laptop that's eight years old and still, you know, managing to do my high capacity workload of like Adobe stuff and everything like that. It's, it's just making it. Um, I have to wait for ages for things to render but it's still making it and uh, you know it's, it's still working fine but at this stage the battery is basically ornamental. Uh, the, bat- the battery is just there for decorations at this point. Uh, and so what I need to do is every time I use it, I need to plug it into the socket. But could you imagine if I took the, the cord for the, battery, for, the, for the laptop and pulled it out of the wall and plugged it instead into a potato? And, you know, I might get a quick little hit of energy. I think potatoes hold a little bit, just a little bit of energy. I might get a quick little buzz. It might even feel really good. It might slide in there in a really satisfying way. It might be like, yep, this is the scene that I fit into. But let me tell you that what will happen is the laptop will lose the power of the very thing it's designed for because it's not connected to the right source. Yeah. The laptop won't even work because I, I plugged it into a potato, And I feel like this is sometimes what we do with our intimacy with God. We take something that was designed to be in God's position and we put it into man's approval and man's opinions. And we might get a little buzz out of it for a moment. It might even feel really good. We might fit in really snug there. But really what's happening is we're losing the power of the intimacy of God in our lives. And so what we need to do is we need to plug it into the source. Jesus says, I am the vine you are the branches. In other words, your sustenance comes from me. Your approval should come from me. Your your fuel for life should come from me. But if you unplug that, then you'll begin to die and have no power in your lives. And so the fear of man can rob us of our intimacy with God. In fact, we're designed to have intimacy with God. We're designed to be intimate, have an intimate belonging to Christ. Galatians 1.10. You know, Paul, I love this I love this book because it, it, it addresses a lot of the fear of man, um, and Paul, you know, really just roasts the Galatian church for a solid few chapters. Um, we're going to be looking at it a bit, but uh, he says this. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Christ's servant. In other words, you can't please people and serve God. They can't coexist. You can't be pleasing people or fearing man or, or living up to expectations and also serving God. Because if pleasing people is our goal, then it becomes impossible to serve God. And so a fear of man and a fear of, of people's opinions of us, when we let that take that place in our lives, it robs us of our intimacy, this awesome relationship, this good thing God wants to deposit into your life. So that's number one. A fear of man will rob us of our Intimacy with God. Number two is that fear of man will rob us of our confidence. Well, when we fear man, we're consistently measuring ourselves against the opinions of others. That's what's happening when we fear man. We're measuring ourselves against others. The problem with that is that people are always changing, tastes are always changing, styles are always changing, how you need to do it is always changing. And so trying to keep up with people's opinions and, and desires and expectations of you is exhausting. It's just tiring. I don't know if you've ever tried it. But Jesus says this, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, those who build their house upon him and his word are like a wise builder who builds their lives on the rock. Those who don't are like a foolish builder that builds their house in the sand. Now the winds and the storm will come and the house on the rock will stand. But the winds, and, the, and as the winds come to the house that's on the sand, it's knocked over. Why is it knocked over? Because sand's always changing. The foundation it's built upon is always shifting and, and changing around. I was at Trigg Beach yesterday, and I'm, I'm amazed at how much the coastline has changed um, after a few storms. It seems like it's always shifting around. Like, you know, one minute, like, I feel, I feel like this beach used to be 10 meters longer, and now it's just like, you, you walk down the dunes and you're in the water, and, uh, and it's always changing. I imagine if I was to build a structure at Trigg Beach, I'd have to be rebuilding it every second week because a storm would come, the sand would shift, and I'd have to rebuild my structure. And that's what building our lives on the opinion of man is like. We have to constantly rebuild this structure, and and sh- the sand is shifting, the foundation is shifting. And it's exhausting. But God is saying, hey, you can build your life on me, the God that is unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We can begin to build our lives on who God says we are, who he says we are, and it's unchanging. Some of us build our confidence on the ever-changing opinion of man, and it's exhausting. You know, you need to be like this. You need to dress like this. Maybe it's even you need to pray like this. Maybe it's, you need to have an Insta account that has these filters on it. Or maybe it's, like you need to, maybe it's even for you. You need a parent like this. Or you need to raise your children like this. And all these opinions can weigh us down and become exhausting. And your confidence is never consistent because what you're basing it on is never consistent. When we build our lives upon the opinion of God, we get a consistent foundation to build upon it. Our confidence never wavers because our God never wavers. Psalm 118 uh, verse 8 says this, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Instead of trusting in man, let's just take refuge. You don't have to try anymore. You just have to relax into who God says you are. Number three is the fear of man will rob us of our ability to help others. You know, when we fear men, we're unable to lead others. Uh, if, we, if we fear what people think of us, it makes it impossible for us to be able to help them. If we fear what they think of us, it makes it impossible for us to be able to do good things in their lives. And you can't lead who you're afraid of. We always say that. You can't lead who you're afraid of. In other words, don't be afraid of people because they need a leader. Uh, and, and maybe you don't consider yourselves as a leader. But we all have a measure of influence in our lives. There's people placed around us that we influence just by being in their lives. So in in some degree, we are all leaders of people around us. We have an impact on the people around us, whether we like it or not. And so we can decide whether we want to be influenced by fear of man or whether we want to be an influence on people for the better. You know, we've all experienced this, I feel like, with with high school bullies. You know, when you're in high school and you, you have a bully you're scared of them. There's a natural fear. And, you know, with our bullies, we, we even pander to them. We go out of our way not to upset them, not to offend them. Don't make eye contact. Don't do anything that will—and and in a way, we sort of, like, please them. Anything you need will do as long as you don't mess with me. And that's—we have this fear of bullies. And i never forget the people in, in high school that would stand up to bullies. They wouldn't be influenced by a fear of the bully, but they would actually be an influence on all the people around them and the bully uh, themselves. You know, they would stand up to them and say, hey, that's not what we do or, you know, you can't mess with me like that. And it would actually cause a change in people because they decided not to be influenced by the fear of man. And we can see this exact situation play out in the early church. Um, When we go back into Galatians 2, uh, 11 to 13, this is Paul speaking. And he's telling this story. He says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised, but afterwards, when some, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Peter was influenced by a fear of man. He didn't want to get on the wrong side of the friends of James. And so what did he do? He pandered to them. He was influenced by it, and it changed what God was doing through him. It actually not only changed what God was doing through him, it, it, it um, caused him not to be able to be a positive influence on the people around him. It says that even Barnabas, one of the other disciples, was led astray. He led people astray by his influence by the fear of man. But what I love about this is we can see in the exact same verse that Paul wasn't influenced by the fear of man. In fact, it says he opposed him to his face. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to be pandering to anyone. This is not right. What you're doing is not right. We need to do better. And I just, I just imagine that you know, Paul, Paul could have been influenced by the fear of these people, by, by Peter, by Barnabas. But what did he do instead? He trusted in God, and he had a positive, infl- uh, a positive influence on the Galatian church, on, on Peter, on Barnabas, and even on James' friends that came. And so we can do the same. For us, the fear of man will rob us of our ability to influence others for good. In order to be effective in our lives, to be effective in our purpose, what we need to do is we need to remove ourselves from this trap. If we want to regain our confidence, if we want to regain our intimacy with God, if we want to regain our ability to be a good influence on the people around us, we need to remove ourselves from this trap of the fear of man. So what we're going to be doing is talking about how to become uh, unstuck from the trap of the fear of man. And so the first thing is really simple. We need to just recognize it. We need to recognize if we are under the influence of the fear of man. You can't fix what you can't identify. And the thing with the fear of man is it's sneaky like it sneaks up on you. It's like a trap that's hidden, like that bird's not expecting it when it's getting that seed and all of a sudden we're trapped. And the fear of man can be sneaky. And so we need to ask ourselves some questions. And I think the first one is, what's occupying your thoughts? What, what's occupying your thoughts? Is it an over of conversations, hours, even days after they happen? Are you analyzing conversations or words to reinforce your confidence? Like conversations you have with others, are you using those conversations and replaying them and replaying them to get some confidence for yourself? Is that your source of confidence? Is there a need to be praised or even recognized? You know, those things are nice. We, we are in a church and people volunteer, so it's nice to be recognized. But is there an unhealthy desire for that? Is there an unhealthy desire to be noticed? Is there an unhealthy desire to have a certain amount of friends or to hang out with a certain group of people? Is that occupying us? Is there there an obsession about what people think about us, especially when they disagree with us? What's occupying that space? What voices are in your mind? And is there an unbalanced weight placed upon the people's opinions of you? Are you putting too much weight in that? Are you letting them have too much influence over you? What is occupying your mind? You know, uh, when I first became a Christian, I had to wrestle with this because I became a Christian... With a bunch of like, I was around a bunch of friends who would love partying and drinking all the time, and so that's what they would do. They would invite me to come along, and I was a little bit scared of what would happen if I said no. I think you know many of us have been in this situation, and so um, it was probably more than my friends' voices in my in my mind. It was probably me with my own voices in my mind you know, just blowing it out of proportion, what would happen? And I I let these voices dictate what I was thinking, dictated what I was doing. And so these voices are saying, hey, you know, if you say no, you know, your friends will abandon you. If you say no, they'll turn on you. If you say no, they'll, they'll maybe even, like, make fun of you or make fun of your beliefs or anything like that. And what happened is I had voices that were influenced by fear. The source of these voices were fear. And I began to realize this. And so what happened is, uh, I I became, uh, uh, sorry, it became increasingly apparent that I couldn't satisfy fear and God at the same time. That I couldn't serve this influence and God at the same time. So I had to recognize that that fear was trying to take a hold of my life. And so I decided that, hey, I can say no and pursue God with all my heart and still have a great friendship with these people if they want me to. Like if, if they're allowing, that's their decision. But I'm going to go in this direction. And I didn't let fear influence that decision. And that's why I'm, I am where I am today. And, and so that was, that's what it was like for me. I had to recognize what was actually happening in those voices in my mind. They weren't voices from God. They weren't voices of even logical reason, but they were voices out of fear. And I blew it out of proportion. I overanalyzed something that wasn't really there and I still managed to have a friendship with those people. And so we need to recognize what is motivating our decisions. Are they being made out of a place of fear or appealing to people or approval from others? Or are they being made out of a place of obedience and service to God? What is motivating our decisions? So that's number one is we recognize it. And as the band comes up, number two is we replace it. We need to replace our fear of man with something. Something else needs to occupy that space that was once filled. Matthew 10:28 says this, and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, don't fear man because the worst he can do is kill your body. And who knows that we're more than just a body? We have a soul and a spirit. And so we worst-case scenario is we still live. We still actually live. And so the worst thing that can happen is that people can kill our body, but God has all power over our flesh, over our souls, over our spirits. So if we're going to fear anyone, maybe fear the person that can completely wipe you out than just the person that can take out one aspect of you. And this word fear is really interesting. You know, we're just talking about intimacy and relationship with God. And you're like, I'm like, what, what, how does fear come into that? And the word fear there actually means an awe and a reverence of God. In, in, I, I sort of see it like this. It's putting God in his rightful place in our lives. You know, a fear of God is just recognizing that God is all-powerful. God's opinions do hold the most weight. God's, you know, word is the strongest thing in our lives. And that's what a fear of God is. It's like if you can fear anything in this life... if if you're going to have, if you're going to reserve a little bit of fear for anything, then fear the almighty God. Don't fear people who will die, mere humans that will come and go, but fear the God that is eternal, that you're going to live with forever in heaven. If we're going to fear anyone, let's fear God. And so, what that really means is let's submit ourselves to God rather than being a slave to the influence of the fear of man. Let's submit ourselves to God. God, what do you say I am? God, who do you say I am? God, I want your voice in my life. Would you silence the voice of of, of you know these overanalyzed conversations. God, I want you. I'm submitting myself to you and removing myself from the fear of man. Hebrews 13:5 says, For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. So we can say this with confidence: the Lord is my helper, and so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? If God is my helper, then I have nothing to fear. If God is on my side, then what can people do to me? What does it matter who they say I am or what their opinions are or how many likes I have or how many friends I have or what stage I stand on or what influence I have or who disowns me because God is on my side. God is my helper. That's who I am. I don't know what you're doing, but that's who I am. What does it matter what people say about me? Now, we go back to that verse at the beginning in Proverbs 29 25. It says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If you want to be kept safe from the fear of man, then place your trust in God. If you want to be kept safe from those thoughts, if you want to be kept safe from from being influenced by fear, then place your trust in God. He's inviting us to that. Placing our confidence in God alone, not the praise, not the applause, not the opinions of everyone else. God is our confidence. And so the implied question with that verse is, are we trusting the opinion of man or are we trusting God with everything? Because they can't coexist. We can't serve the fear of man and trust God with all of our hearts, minds and souls. They can't coexist. We need to choose one or the other. So let's stand as we finish tonight, right where you are. That'd be great. I feel like we we can all have this struggle with the fear of man at some point in our lives. We can all wrestle with this. I know that I do. And this struggle, it can steal our joy. It, It robs us of our satisfaction, of our confidence, of our influence. Even our purpose, it robs us of our future. And God is inviting us to be released from that today. He's inviting us to be released from that today. So let's begin to pray that we trust in Him. Let's begin to pray that, hey, God, I'm putting my trust in you. When those voices come, begin to get on your knees and say, God, I'm submitting myself to you. Is there a fear of man that is stealing from you tonight? Stealing joy, satisfaction. Let's begin to replace that fear today. You know, if you struggle with the thoughts and doubts about yourself, begin to open up God's Word and see who He says you are. If you struggle with those thoughts, begin to see who God says you are. If you want to go further in, in your purpose, oh sorry, if you, to, if you want to, if you want to, if you have a desire to be praised or recognized and, you know, even get likes on Instagram or something like that, if you have a, a desire, an unhealthy desire to be noticed, then begin to glorify Him praise is like a funnel and we can get recognition and praise but it's our responsibility to hand that to God when we store that for ourselves it becomes a little bit unbalanced a little bit unhealthy but we need to return that to God so if you're struggling with that begin to worship God more begin to worship God in your days begin to give him the praise and the glory the one we will just pray tonight father I just thank you for God that we don't need to stay influenced by fear but God you are calling us to trust in you God that as we trust in you we 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 begin place you in that position in our lives God that we are released from the fear of man that we gain intimacy in relationship with you we gain our confidence again God and we gain our ability to have a positive impact in this world and so God I just pray for anyone who is struggling with that tonight God would you begin to remove that thing God we say that there should be no fear of man in our lives no voices that dictate where we're going in our lives no voices that dictate who we think we are God Lord would we just be able to submit ourselves to you God the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end the God that never changes the God who we can serve who we know who will be the same yesterday today and tomorrow God we just pray that we can begin to to build our lives and our confidence on that foundation God would you begin to raise that up in us when people begin to be released from the fear of man in Jesus name in Jesus name God let's begin to worship